You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc. Hey, so this morning, I am so honored and privileged to welcome a guest and obviously a longtime friend. I've known him, uh, known him his entire life. My brother, Bryce, uh, who comes all the way from Bismarck, North Dakota, to come and just minister to our, to our house, to our family. Uh, to our church. I'm so thankful that him and his family would take time out of their busy schedules to come. I'm so proud of him as his brother. Uh, he serves as the, the pastor of church planning and development at Evangel Church in uh, Bismarck, North Dakota, a church of several thousand people impacting that region of the Great Plains. So proud of the work that he's doing up there. Uh, God's had him in a lot of different positions, youth pastor, uh, Chi Alpha pastor, and now doing this multiplying a work that they're doing in Bismarck. I'm so proud of him, and I know God's put a word on his heart for our church this weekend, both this morning and this evening. So, in typical LifePoint fashion, would you help me in welcoming my brother, Bryce, Bryce Meyer. Awesome. Well, I love just the spirit and the atmosphere of the room today, believing God has great things. And, and like Drew said, we have been lifelong friends, in fact, of Drew and Tony. Um, I've known both of them my whole entire life. And I was thinking back to one of my earliest childhood memories of them. I watched, I was outside just playing nicely on my own. And here I see the front door burst open. And uh, I think Tony was chasing Drew because Drew just punched Tony. And uh, I know Drew got one not too long after. And uh, so it's fun. You know, obviously we fought as brothers, but it's cool to say, I was talking to Tony last night and like, man, it's so cool that we used to fight with each other and now we're fighting alongside each other and really taking um, the kingdom of God and believing God to do great things. And I have a wonderful, beautiful family. My wife is here, Eden. So blessed that she could come. I asked her out in sixth grade. Uh, I handed her a note that was written by my brother, Drew. Will you go out with me, yes, no, or maybe, underneath uh, the bleachers? And she checked no. She didn't even say maybe. Um, But then eventually I wooed her, and we got married. We've been married for 12 years now this August and have four beautiful children. We have Elsie, our little three-year-old, who's our dancer. She loves dresses. She listens to music for 30 minutes. She just lays next to Alexa. That's her. We have Dylan, our little ball of energy. He's our five-year-old boy. Eden makes him run laps around the house at nighttime to get his energy out. And then we have Annika, our seven-year-old social butterfly who loves, loves people. In fact, we were on a walk the other day and uh, she got up ahead of us and she was talking to this boy at the park I get up there quickly because I don't want this little boy talking to my girl, and he just got done saying, did it hurt when you fell from heaven? You see, he was setting up a pickup line with my daughter, because he was about to say, because girl, you look like an angel, uh, but he never got to finish because he saw his, her father coming up, and then we have my nine-year-old son, Cohen, uh, who uh, just has a call of God on his life. He loves to unicycle, juggle, and play sports, and wants to be a pastor someday. So we're excited just for what God's doing in our family. Uh, Can I tell you this really quick side note? Family is the best discipleship unit there is. Do not take for granted what God wants to do in your home with your kids in this season. And and so we're just loving on our kids, believing God wants to use us first and foremost to, to build into their life. And uh, like I said, I'm honored to be here today. 
and believe that God has something for you. And I can tell that this is a church of hunger and expectation. I told Drew this last week as I was listening to, you know, the the last few weeks of messages, I was like, man, you guys must have a a brilliant church, a church that is hungry and mature and and wanting more of God because Drew's just brilliant, isn't he? The, The words that he uses the perception that he has, and the way that he hears from God, uh, you are honored to, to just have an incredible lead pastor in your midst who is humble and eager to, to get all that heaven has for you guys. And uh, I just know that you guys are blessed and honored to have Pastor Drew and Tanya and his family here with you guys. And, you know, as I was preparing for today, I just really felt like um, a message God laid on my heart was, was really this, this word preparation, preparation, preparation. I feel like we're in preparation mode constantly in this season, trying to prepare for something that you can't even prepare for. In fact, if you um, were wondering, Bible college doesn't teach you how to lead a church in the middle of a pandemic. That's a new thing, right? We get every week in our staff meetings, we're like, all right, how do we prepare for something we don't know? And, and then they give vague instructions, and then you're like trying to interpret these things. And so this word preparation kept coming to my mind, and thinking about us as a church saying, are we prepared for God moments in our life? And today, that's what I want to talk about, preparing for a God moment. The other night, I was putting my, bod- my daughter, Annika, to bed, and I said, Annika, I love you so much, and, and we play this game with our kids, and they, I love you more, Dad. Well, I love you to the moon, and well, I love you to heaven, and, and then I say, well, I love you to heaven back, and we try to outdo who loves the other one more, right? And I said, well, did you know the only reason I love you, or the only reason you love me is because I loved you first? I mean, you think about it, though. I loved her when she was in, you know, her mom's tummy. When she came out, I spent time with her, and I held her, and she had no idea what the idea of love even was. She hadn't not the capabilities of even loving me back. But because I continued for the first two months, three months, four months, five months, six months, first year of her life, continuing to love her, eventually she grew into this understanding of this thing called love, and, and eventually she began to love me back. And I said, the same is true with you and God, Annika. I know you love Jesus, but the only reason you love Jesus is because he loved you first. And I don't want that truth to get old to you guys today. Maybe that's the first time you've heard that today, that Jesus loves you, that he loved you so much that he came to die on the cross for you because he knew that you would be stuck in depression and sickness and emotional sickness, physical sickness. He knew that you would be stuck in your sin and your destruction, and it hurt him. And so he loved you so much, even though that you hadn't loved him back yet, that he came for you. And the, and the, the Father, heart of God, loved you, that he was putting together this master plan, this strategy to woo you back, to bring you back to him. In fact, the Bible says in Psalms 139, it says that you were a masterpiece in his mind, even before you came to be, that his thoughts towards you are more than the sand on the seashore. And so there's this idea that there's this love of the Father that has pursued us before we were even born and hoping someday that you and I will respond to this love and we will love him back 
But maybe, maybe, maybe you haven't loved God back. And maybe today is that day where you say, I'm going to respond to that love. But maybe you have said, God, I love you. Can I tell you that his love doesn't stop there the moment you've given your heart to him and start a relationship? He wants to continue to love you. The Bible says that he wants to lavish his love upon his children, on his sons and daughters. He wants to continue to love you, to pour out his grace and his mercy and his love upon you. And, and he does this in ways by wooing us, attracting us, and showing up in our lives in God moments. Here's what a God moment is. A God moment is when God makes himself known in an unforgettable way to speak an undeniable truth into your life. When God shows up in an undeniable way where you say that had to have been God, to speak an unforgettable truth into your life. You know, your, your life is scattered with God moments. Moments when, when God wants to make himself real and known to you and, and you guys have been reading through the book of Mark, and I was reading through it um, a couple of weeks ago. And I was just going through chapter after chapter after chapter, reading the one thing that stood out to me was all these God moments, these miracle moments where Jesus showed up unannounced, unplanned, at least in the people's minds, at least in Zacchaeus's mind, or at least in the the mind of the, the woman at the well. In their mind, it was, they didn't know this was coming, but Jesus full well knew that this was coming because he was planning on wooing these people back to him. And, and so there was an encounter, a God moment with the woman at the well, or the, the man who was paralyzed. And Jesus, you know, healed his legs and said, your sins are forgiven you. Go and be made well. Or time after time after time again, where Zacchaeus at the dinner table has this God moment and it changed his life forever. And so here's Jesus having God moments in these people's lives, and, and I'm sure you've had God moments in your life. I think of moments in my life where a God moment has happened, and I didn't know it was coming. I remember one time I was preparing to do a wedding. I've done multiple weddings, and so I was just going through the motion, going through the ritual, getting my wedding suit on. Pastors, we don't necessarily wear suits anymore, but we still have them for those, you know, those few occasions, so I was getting my wedding suit on, and Got my wedding suit, got to the, my location, had my, my, you know, the ceremony ready in hand, made sure I had the, the wedding license, the marriage license. And, and so I was prepared to do what I normally do, meet the family, do the ceremony, get the coupled married, get out of the way so they can go do their married thing, you know. And, and I, I was, uh, before the ceremony, in an office, and one of my mentors had come to the wedding to just be a part. And we somehow got a few moments together in an office. And, and so we were sitting there talking. Now, in my mind, I, I didn't plan to have a God moment right now. I was planning to go do a wedding. So we're sitting, and I'm sitting on a couch. He's sitting on another chair. And, and we're just talking. And, and somehow, some way, we end up into the depths of my heart. And I'm in tears I'm on this couch and he's ministering to my spirit and he's ministering to past hurts that I've had from when my mom passed away when I was a young boy and how it's affecting me even today and my marriage. And all of a sudden, I'm here to do a wedding, but God shows up because he's not on our schedule. He's on his schedule and he shows up and there's a God moment happening right there in this office that I didn't plan for, I didn't prepare for. But here's the question, am I prepared for those God moments? 
You say, well, how can we prepare for something we don't know that's coming? I think we can do that as thinking about my wife and I when I proposed to her. On my end, I was the one prepared. I knew when we were going to do it. I knew how I was going to do it. I talked to my brothers about it. I asked her dad. I was going down the checklist. I wrote a song like I knew I was ready. I was prepared. I was ready to get down on my knee. I knew what I was going to say. She, she didn't know it was coming. And I was thinking the other day, I was like, I've never placed myself in her shoes. I was like, could she have prepared in any way for that? Like, how do you prepare for something like that? And the one thing I thought of was like, I'm sure she was prepared in her heart. She didn't know when it was coming. She didn't know how it was coming. But in her heart, she knew that if this time come, I would be ready. And I think the same is true. We have a, a groom, and we are his bride, and he is pursuing us. And there's moments where he shows up, and the only thing that I can be prepared in it is in my heart. Is my heart prepared for the moment that God shows up in my life? And so I want to bring you to a scripture in Luke. It's also found in the book of Mark as you continue to go through through that book. It's found in Mark chapter 4. But today I'm going to be reading this version of the the parable from Luke chapter 8 verses 1 through 15. It says this. It says, Soon afterward he went on through cities and villages proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. I know we're in this series called The Kingdom of God is near. Jesus is near. He, he was bringing this good news saying, repent, get ready to change the way you think because the kingdom of God is at hand. It's going to be a completely day, a different way of thinking and doing things. And then it goes on and it continues to say, and the 12 were with him. Also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. And Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and it grew up, and it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up, and it choked it. And some fell into the good soil, and it grew and yielded a hundredfold. And as he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. That's what I pray this morning. God, open our ears, open our understanding. Let us understand what you're trying to say to us today. And then it says, and when his disciples asked him what the parable meant, he said, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, and he explains it. He says, the seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rocks are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, they fall away. As for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life. And their fruit does not mature. But as for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast and honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. 
we think we're talking about when God shows up, here's this, this parable, this story that Jesus lays out. And really, there's three subjects in this story. There's the farmer, there is the seed, and there is the soil. Sounds like someone's car is going off. <laughs> so, there's the, the soil. Or the, sorry, I'm going to start with the farmer. There's the farmer. Who's the farmer in this story? It's, it's God. It's, it's the Father. Like we said, the kingdom of God is, is near. It's everywhere. And it's ready to do something and show up and plant something in your life. The seed is God's word. The, the word of God, which is unchanging. It's, it's God's promises. It's his principles. And then there is the soil. That is us. It's our hearts. It's our life. And, and of the three subjects in this story, you and I only have control of one. Us, people who love control, right? We love to control things. We love to control our lives. In this democracy, we, our voice matters. But can I tell you, in the kingdom of God... In this story, we can only control one of the three. We can't control what the farmer wants, what the farmer wants to do. The Bible says that God is unchanging. It says that in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. God was here from the very beginning. He's the Alpha. He is the Omega. He's the first, the last, the beginning, and the end. God is unchanging. We can't change Him. And then the, the second part, the, so, the seed, is the word of God. We can't change God's word either. His promises and his truths and his principles remain the same. Matthew 24, 35, it says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. My principles will stand the test of time. My truths will stand the test of time. But the soil is the only thing we can control. Our hearts, one of my, my key principle verses in my life is, is Proverbs 16, 1. It says this, it says, the preparations of the heart belong to the man, but the answer comes from God. What he's saying here is that God is sovereign. He's going to do what he wants. God provides the answer. God's the one who's going to decide what seed to sow into your life. The only thing I can do is prepare my heart. The preparation of the heart belongs to me. What God wants to do, that belongs to him. So I'm asking myself, am I prepared? Am I prepared? I, I think about my preparedness. Sometimes I'm a fly by the seat of my pants kind of person. Sometimes I like to be prepared. It just kind of depends on the day, what's on my plate, what's going on. I think about recently went to the Boundary Waters. That's remote, primitive camping. You go deep hours into the forest. You're, you're far ways away from electricity, from running water, from bathrooms. And I remember one year I went with my father-in-law and, and my wife's brother and, and a couple of friends. And my father-in-law, he's a farmer, so it was August, and he was out harvesting to the very last second. So I was tasked with getting all the stuff ready. So I was throwing stuff in the van, and 2 a.m. in the morning, my father-in-law jumps in the van. He jumps from the combine into the van, and, and then off we go eight hours to the Boundary Waters, we get there, we hike, and we canoe in about five hours in. And so we finally get to our campsite, and we start unpacking, and all of a sudden, you know, it's like, all right, we got to put the tent up. Everyone knows there has to be a tent for camping. I say the word camping, the first thing you think of is a tent, right? I know that. Of course I brought a tent. Why wouldn't have I brought a tent? I did bring a tent. All right, we laid the tent out. 
All right, grab the poles. Where's the poles? Wait, there's no Who doesn't keep the poles with the tent, right? Come on, somebody. Who packed this thing? And here I am. I'm the one who prepared, right? Or didn't prepare. And and here we are. And this was the like coldest August ever. It was like 50 degrees, rainy the entire time. We weren't catching any fish. We ended up leaving early because it was just miserable. We tried to, you know, keep our tent up with ropes and different branches and stuff like that. And it was just... Our effort was, was worthy, but, but it did not turn out. And I think about it, you guys, we are going to go through storms of life. Life is going to be difficult. In fact, that's what the story is about. It says in the very end of this passage, it says, those who bear fruit will bear fruit if they hold fast with patience. Because we will go through tests, we will go through difficulties, but I'm asking myself, am I prepared in my heart? Have I prepared For when God shows up, the farmer shows up and he wants to plant a seed into my heart. You see, God wants to do something in your life this week, next week. And maybe he wants to plant something into your marriage. Maybe he wants to plant something into you as parents. Maybe as a student, he's wanting to plant something into your life. And he wants it to grow fruit where you're at in this season. But what kind of soil is your heart? Let's see, the first way to prepare. Man, we all want to be the good soil that produces a hundred fruit, where that seed gets planted into our life and it produces a hundredfold. But for us to understand what the good soil looks like, we need to understand what the bad soil looks like in this story. So I want to go through the, the first three soils. The first soil is the footpath, where Satan stole it immediately off the path. The birds came and they snatched the seed You see, the first way for us to prepare for that God moment when the Father from heaven above is trying to woo us and he shows up in our life in an unforgettable way, in an undeniable way, speaking an unforgettable truth, we need to protect the God moment. The enemy oftentimes will try to steal a God moment from you. 1 Peter 5.8, it says, be alert and of a sober mind because... Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. There is a a mentor of mine, Ron Weiss. He is well in his ages, a man of God, tender for the Lord. He he ministers every week in in the jail. And when I lived in Fargo, I used to go into the jail with him every Thursday. And I would, not because I was in jail, but I would minister with him at the jail. I would do worship and he would preach. It was a great combo. And uh, afterwards, I looked forward to that moment the most because we would sit down at the table together and have coffee, and I would just listen to him talk, and oftentimes he would be in tears just sharing about the Lord with me. But I remember him one time saying, Bryce, there's not one day that I wake up and I dare leave my house without reading the Word of God because I know that there is an enemy prowling around out there waiting to devour me. Oftentimes when someone who's getting baptized, you're having baptisms next week. And I love it. I love baptism Sundays, church. They're so exciting. It's that monumental moment in their life. It's a date they can look back on when they say, no, I remember, even though life feels difficulty, I remember that date when I got in the tank before my friends and family. I made this public declaration that I'm going to follow Jesus that's why I love baptisms, but I oftentimes, you know, celebrate that moment with them. But I also say this, I say, hey, I want you to know today is a significant day. It's a day of celebration, but 
I can guarantee you, almost guarantee you that sometime this week or next week, the enemy is going to try to steal this moment from you. He doesn't like what God's doing in your life, and he's going to try to rob you of this moment, so be ready. Protect the God moment. You can almost always expect that after a God moment happens in your life, the enemy will try to steal that moment away from you. And so what can I do? How can I be prepared for the attacks of the enemy in my life? I'm asking myself, am I in a regular pattern of prayer? There is one weapon God has given us, and it's not complicated. It's not rocket science. Thank God. It's just prayer. Simply spending time with God and and praying. We do not fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness, and we do that through prayer. I'm asking myself, am I sharpening my sword daily by reading the scripture? Am I hiding it deep in my heart so I can protect the God moments? Church, do I get my praise on during the week? Come on. Pastor Tony doesn't just lead you in worship up here so you can just worship once a week. No, he's trying to set a culture for you to be worshipers Monday through Saturday. So that you and I can be people that know how to worship, whether there's someone on stage or I'm just in my living room. Church, it's time for us to be people of worship where we don't care what the person next to us at the stoplight sees. Man, let's put on a show for them, right? Let's sing it. Let's belt it out. Let's get our praise on. Can I tell you, worship is one of the key ways to come against the attacks of the enemy. Satan doesn't want to come into a room where Jesus' name is being lifted high because we know that the demons tremble and shake at the name of Jesus. The next thing that we must do to prepare for a God moment when God shows up in an undeniable way to speak an unforgettable truth in our life is that we need to disciple the God moment. We need to disciple the God moment. The rocky soil is the heart that is not being discipled. You see, a seed can get planted, but it it can have a hard time going deep and and growing roots into our life. And and Jesus came to this earth, one, to bring salvation, but to, to establish a system called discipleship. For every single person, it's part of the Great Commission, go and make disciples. We are all called to be discipled. And oftentimes, this can happen so often where we encounter God, a God moment happens at church or wherever it's at, and it becomes a temporary change. And I'm just saying, I don't want to be a temporary change Christian. I want to be a permanent change Christian where I go from glory to glory to glory, where it's stepping stones. It's not just moments that I I think about and say, oh, that was a great time. But no, this is a moment that's bringing me to the next thing, to the next thing that God has. And so what does discipleship look like? How do I become someone who is a permanent change Christian that allows the seed to grow deep into my heart? I really asked myself these three questions. In fact, I was sitting down with a guy a month ago who said, hey, Pastor Russ, I would love for you to pour into my heart, into my life. And every single time I do this, my first meeting with them, I ask these questions. I say, hey, Eric, I'd love to do that. I just, first off, Man, I just want to know, how much access are you going to allow me into your life? Here's the starting ground for discipleship. First, you need to be someone who gives access into your heart. We all have rooms in our heart, right? And we oftentimes let people into the front rooms of our heart. 
How's your day? How's your week? Oh, good. It's been kind of busy, kind of hectic, but I made it to church today. That's a front room conversation right there. But we all have those back rooms of our heart, those deep things in our lives that we don't really want to open the door to anyone. And I'm asking myself, am I going to give someone access to the back rooms of my heart? Now, I realized this when I did college ministry. They could give me access, but the next A in discipleship is authority. Are they going to give me authority to speak into it? Man, we'd be talking about their relationship. And they'd give me full access, and we'd be talking about a lot of things. And, and then the moment I start to see if I have authority to speak into that back room of their heart, I say, hey, you know, as you were sharing that, I just, I don't know if, if some of those boundaries in your relationship with your girlfriend are, are God-honoring. I just wonder if, if we should talk about that for a little bit. And I just believe God wants you to be the man of God he's called you to be. And, and I can tell by the response if they're giving me authority or if they're just going to close the door and no longer give me access. You see, you have to give someone access in the back rooms of your heart. You need to give them authority to speak into those rooms. And the last A is accountability. Are you going to hold yourself accountable to that person? Are you going to allow them to shape you and speak to you? That's what Jesus did. Throughout their life, they lived life together. They were on a boat in a sea. Jesus had access into their heart. He had authority to, to speak into their hearts. And sometimes he would say, you faithless generation, how much longer do I have to be with you? And he was holding them accountable to their unbelief and their faith, calling them to, to rise up to a higher standard. Jesus was providing a model of discipleship. That's a starting ground for discipleship. I want you to ask yourself, am I being discipled? Am I in a discipling relationship? There's no way Pastor Drew can disciple you from the stage here. It's, he can start the discipleship process, but today I'm not going to go around and ask each one of you about the back rooms of your heart. That would be awkward for me. It would be awkward for you. You wouldn't like that, but that can happen in the context of small groups with a small group leader. I want to encourage you, disciple the God moments when God plants something in your life. The last thing is this, prioritize the God moment. In fact, Joe talked about it this morning already. It's so easy for us to be drowned out by the busyness and the chaos of life and to, to allow the noise of this world to drown out a God moment. In fact, that's what I love about Sundays. As you come to church, it's a built-in rest in your day. It's a built-in pause in your day. You don't come to church and sit here and scroll through the news and check your emails from work. I mean, you could, but then why would you come, right? You come, you shut the distractions off, and you sit here, and that's why it's so easy for God to do something in your life on a Sunday. He's not having to compete with the rest of the world. And it's so easy for, for God to minister to our heart and something to happen in our lives. But then I ask myself, what do I do when I leave here? Do I just jump back right into the rat race of life, into the hurry of life, and, and back into the chaos? And, and that God moment that happened on a Sunday easily gets drowned out by the busyness and the chaos of life. Church, we need to learn how to be people, how to have built-in rests in our life, not just on a Sunday, but throughout the week. A time in the morning where we say, this is my dedicated time to hear from the Lord of silence and to say, God, what you spoke to me on Sunday or what you spoke to me yesterday, when you showed up unannounced at my workplace, I'm going to take some time to think about that. 
and dwell on that and journal that. I'm not going to let the craziness and the clutter of life, I think about a couple that came up front one Sunday after church, and they had asked me to pray for them, and I prayed for them. A lot of things were happening in the marriage from the outside, you would have never known it. We're good at masking things at church, right? Began to pray for them, and, then, and they just, they're in tears, and God shows up. It was an, a God moment. He showed up in an undeniable way and spoke an unforgettable truth. I just began to speak words over their life. And God did something there, and I said, hey, I love what God did here. I believe God did something in your marriage right now. But I want to continue this conversation. I want to set a time up to meet with you guys. Because I knew too easily that the enemy would try to snatch it. And if the God moment didn't get discipled, it wouldn't grow roots deep into their heart. And so I was asking the question, are you willing to unclutter your life and not let the cares and the weeds of this world drown it out. Are you willing to carve out some time and disciple this God moment? And we met up time after time, and we met up multiple times. They got plugged into a small group, and I, I just ran into the guy this a uh, few weeks ago, and, and this is a year's past, and I kind of lost track of him because things started to unwind a little bit. And I ran into him. I said, hey, man, how are things going? Expecting to hear the worst, and a huge smile on his face. He's like, man, our marriage is an incredible place. We both decided that we're going to just be selfless in our marriage and, and just love each other in a way that God's called us to love each other. And, and here they are. A God moment that happened at the altar has produced a hundredfold in their life because they decided to protect the God moment, disciple the God moment, and prioritize the God moment. I'm going to ask Tony to come up. As we close our time together, I just want you to know this. I want you to know that God wants to show up in your life. God wants to show up in your life. He is wooing you, whether you know him or you've known him for a long time. He wants to continue to show his love and lavish his love upon you. And I think about a story recently. My wife and, and her mom went down to Arizona. And uh, in past, this past December, but this last, not uh, a year ago in August, uh, my wife's brother had passed away from suicide, and it shook our family. It was difficult, and, um, and we just prayed many things, but one thing we prayed is, God, use this somehow for your glory. Use this to touch someone's life, and so November-ish sometime, uh, Eden's mom had gotten a card in the mail, and it had a Visa gift card on it and said, hey, let this be a blessing to your family in this time of need, and so here in Moorhead, Minnesota, this Visa gift card arrives at our house. And then she flies down to Arizona a couple months later. And she hangs out with my wife and my daughter, Annika. And they spend the week together. And they go to the grocery store to get some, some food. And she finds this Visa gift card. And says, oh, I'm going to use this Visa gift card. And so they get to the cashier and they use the gift card. And the cashier's like, oh, I've never seen a, a gift card like that before. What's that? And she's like, oh, it's just, you know, Visa Visa gift card, and um, she could have just made a short answer. But she said, actually, I got it because uh, my son had passed away a few months ago from suicide and began to explain the story. And all of a sudden, this cashier just bursts into tears. And we go to find that just a month or so earlier, this lady just lost her son to suicide. 
can I tell you at that moment, that was a God moment. Eden and her mom began to minister to this lady for the next few minutes and speak into her life. And God showed up in an undeniable way to speak an unforgettable truth into this lady's heart because God is an extravagantly loving God. He is planning, he is scheming things. He says, I'll even use a Visa gift card from Moorhead, Minnesota and make its way down to Arizona because I love this lady so much. I want her to know that I love her. It was a God moment. And can I tell you that there's God moments ahead in your life where God wants to show up in your life and do something in your And you're going to experience God, but I'm asking, is it going to take fruit? Is it going to produce fruit in your life? This week, as you begin to pray and fast, God's going to show up. He's going to plant seeds. Are we going to be good? So I want to ask you to stand to your feet. As you close your eyes today, I know this is a church that is hungry for God moments. Where you say, God, show up in my life. Produce fruit in my heart. I want you to ask yourself these questions in your, in your heart right now. Do I oftentimes allow the enemy to steal the God moments in my life because I don't have regular disciplines of prayer and scripture reading? Being in small groups established in my life and today I need to prioritize that change in my life. I need to better equip myself Maybe that's you today. Maybe you're that person who says, do the God moments not make lasting change because I'm not getting discipled. I'm not allowing someone access and authority and accountability in my life. And today you say, I need to make that change. I need to commit myself to discipleship, to God's process. Or maybe you're, you're here and you say, you know what? God moments happen in my life, but too often the emails and the notifications of my phone, the text messages, the voicemails, the busyness, the sports, the running around, it all clutters out the God moments of my life. And too easily, what God does gets drowned out. And you say, I'm no longer not gonna let that happen. I don't know what soil you tend to be, but today it's a moment for us to prioritize change. To say, God, toil, God, plow up this foul ground. Plow up, God, this rockened heart. Plow up this soil. God, make me good soil today where your seed will produce good fruit. And so, God, I just want to pray right now over this church, over our lives, God, that you would make us good soil in this place. God, maybe for that person who has not a relationship with you, Jesus, that they would come to know you today, that they would know that the Father heart of God is pursuing them, that you are trying to lavish your love upon them, that you are trying to show up in an undeniable way and speak an unforgettable truth, God, that they would turn their heart to you and start a relationship with you today. God, we commit this moment to you right now. This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc.